As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday, the Sunday Sound Off edition. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by Dave Uppen, per usual. Dave, how are we doing today? We're doing good. Uh, it was a late night, Ari, uh, thanks to Colorado, and in part thanks to the prison yard team at Colorado State. Uh, but quite a ball game, but, you know, we're, we're recovering. And another wonderful guest who I get the pleasure of podcasting with at least once a week, but now it's going to be two this week. Grace Rayner, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ari. I know I get to double up with you this week. I'm excited. Grace, I don't yeah. think we've ever been on a podcast together. I think I feel I don't like think this we have is, either. Grace is uh, uh, one of the greats on our staff, uh, a dear, dear friend. But I listen, I'm excited to podcast with you for the first time. It's this is quite a momentous occasion. I'm glad the listeners can be here with it. <laughs> I'm excited as well. You for some reason, you're listening to this podcast and you're not familiar with Grace's trajectory. Um, she covered Clemson for a lot of years and recently has now transitioned into a national recruiting, you know, reporter personality. And uh, those footsteps that I constantly hear behind me are her coming from my job. So uh, (laughs) it's good to have you on the show. And the closer I can keep you to me, the, the, more confident I feel that I won't get fired. Uh, but it's really good to have you on grace. Uh, love having you here. Um, this is quickly becoming, if not already is my favorite show of the week, because we get to hear your voices and, you know, for Dave and me and grace and everybody else who's on this feed, I can't tell you guys how much, uh, it, we appreciate your participation, your continued uh, support of the show. Um, you being here live to interact as we do it. And of course, submitting your voicemails, it's, it's gold. We love hearing it. And of course, being able to broadcast uh, your voices onto the feed and, and listen to what you have to say makes you more a part of the show than, uh, you know, we could have ever hoped for. And it's great to have you here. So again, thanks so much. Uh, be sure to follow this podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you drop us a five-star review and leave a question, we will answer it on the show. Uh, subscribe to the Unday, uh, Until Saturday on YouTube. If you're listening to this on podcast form, the link to the YouTube page uh, is in the show's description. If you're 
listening to this live on YouTube. You can find it on all the major streaming platforms. We will be live on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday every week during the football season to give you coverage. Thursday's the the pick show. Saturday's the live reaction show after the games. And Sunday, uh, which you're watching right now, is a Sunday sound off show. Please leave the voicemails or text the Until Saturday phone line at 316-462-9852. That's 316-462-9852. You can call or text that number. Um, We will definitely sway towards the calls because we want your voices to be a part of the show. And of course, uh, last but not least, we also have a newsletter at The Athletic uh, called Until Saturday. Really great name. Uh, Certainly is... (laughs) meant to match the actual show and um, the links to the newsletter can be found in the show's description uh, where you can get your daily fill of podcasts into your email box. And uh, you don't have to be subscribed to the athletic to receive that this week. Jana Bardall wrote an interesting discussion about Alabama that kind of gets you hooked into what happened over the weekend. And I think it's the perfect segue uh, to the first segment of this show, which is uh, a day later. Um, we're recording this in the evening over 24 hours after that uh, monstrosity happened uh, in the <laughs> in Tampa. Um, what are our thoughts on Alabama? I've got a big column coming on on Monday uh, about Nick Saban and, and the whole quarterback situation there. But what are your guys' thoughts now that you've had some time to, to let it breathe? Grace, I'll let you go. We we yelled about Alabama last night. <laughs> um, I think if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm concerned, right? I mean, you have no clarity really going into week four, going into the SEC opener against Ole Miss. And I know we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, whether or not Alabama should be is six and a half points too much. Uh, I think that's what they opened at. Um but yeah, I mean, you never. It's just so. It's just so bizarre to see Alabama struggle in this way and just have no answers at the quarterback situation. And I don't know. It's just I don't know whose fault it is. But as as a viewer, I think it's it's just really puzzling to watch. I, I think in general, <clears throat> Georgia is in part to blame. They're taking a lot of good players, uh, including in the portal. We're gonna fight grabbing. <laughs> grabbing receivers Already. it's a confluence it's a, it's a confluence of all these things but at the end of the day bef- before the season we we mentioned hey alabama if they're gonna be something different than what i thought because i've been driving the alabama is gonna go nine and three bus all off season is that some guys were gonna pop you're gonna see some guys maybe you didn't know about preseason because alabama has recruited so well and has so much talent um that guys were gonna pop and ari uh i've seen a very little popping through through uh, what three games? I haven't seen a single guy that we didn't know about coming into the season that you made you sit up and go, "Oh, okay, like this kind of changes things," especially on offense, and that's a huge issue. Again, we hit on it last night. You have an offensive line that's losing one on ones and can't communicate. You have an a insane situation at quarterback that's your own doing. And Ari will write about that as well. It's a recruiting issue. You have receivers who are average and can't get open and don't help your offensive line or your quarterback situation. And you're above average at running back. Jace McClellan is good and not really, I would say an impact player. And that is a recipe for at least you would think more than 17 points against USF, but we're going to have to see a different version of Bama, especially on the lines of scrimmage. If they're not going to get popped at Ole Miss, this is the most talented team in the history of uh, recruiting rankings. 
It has a 90% blue chip ratio. Um, and the average ranking of a player on Alabama's 85 man roster is a top 100 player. Think about that. That is That's crazy. the <laughs> average ranking of a player on that team. And we were watching a game on Saturday which thankfully had some weird camera angles because of a lightning storm. I don't know if I could have handled seeing that up close. There's Uh, all 22. And then there's that camera angle, which was hard to watch. It was the only thing that kept me alive. Cause if I was seeing what was going on that field up close, I don't know if I would have been able to survive it. And somehow throughout the course of assembling this super roster, uh, um, yes, there are offensive line concerns and yes, uh, they don't have Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or somebody in the receiving core, which certainly would help ease the pressure of that. But somehow we have um, arrived at a place where they have five scholarship quarterbacks on the team and none of them can play right now. And that, to me, is very interesting to me. Uh, next year, Alabama has Julian Sand coming in. Mm-hmm. I watched him at the uh, Elite 11 in June or July this past year, and I thought he was incredible. He won the competition. He's going to be great. Ari, though, bef- but if before, you think about – The answer for Alabama is portal combat. It's not Julian Sand. I think that we agree on this. I don't know what the answer is going to be. All I know is – that they have two different options to try to figure it out. And I don't know how this can is possible for Alabama to have the Heisman Trophy winners that it just got done having, the Tua's, the Bryce Young's, guys who have won national championships, guys who have won Heisman's, and to have five players at the quarterback position on your roster, all of whom were top 160 players nationally. I think three of the five were top 100 players, and all of them not, can't play. Now, two of them. Our true freshmen, you know, Eli Holstein and um, Dylan Lonergan, Dylan Dylan Lonergan um, are true freshmen. So their development still remains to be seen. Um, but as I wrote in the column here, like Tua Tagovailoa came into the national championship game and <laughs> won it with his arm right out of the gate. I don't know how much time it takes uh, for anybody to really see if somebody's special. And I know that these are probably natural growing pains to a certain extent when you lose a person like Bryce Young and have to move on to whoever the next person is. But Alabama's roster and is coached is coached by the greatest coach of all time and is deeper on paper when it comes to recruiting rankings, Catherine, um, than any other team that's ever been assembled, you know, again, on paper. Um, and they don't have a single player that can even make USF sweat. Like, I don't know what, why, uh, now it's a three-pronged issue. Is it a evaluation issue? Is it a development issue? Or is it a arrogance issue because it took them so long to get into the portal this year? It's like, if you didn't know what you had. Could it be the first two? Could it be the first two, Ari, though? With the first two and you combine evaluation, development, and coaching turnover and it just gets hard to maintain what you've maintained. And I don't know how much the portal factors into that. Certainly, the immediate transfer seems to parallel with uh, Alabama sliding slightly. I don't know if those two things are connected. Maybe it is. Uh, they missed on a couple guys in the portal last year. Uh, you know, Tyler Harrell, I, I think he's still on the roster. He's not doing a whole lot. You know, he seemed like he was the guy that was going to take the top off for them defensively, and they're not doing it. But I, to me, it seems like all of those things. You have a development issue. You have an evaluation issue. 
And when you have the kind of turnover that they've always had on their staff and you add in, you know, maybe some of these new faces, maybe that catches up to you over time. You know, I, I don't think it's one thing, but I, I just, you know, I all still I know think is that the odds of them having five after this year top 100 players or 160 players at that position. It is staggering from a t- statistic standpoint. I don't know why yeah. I can't talk tonight <laughs> statistically um, for none of them to be able to play. Uh, at least I good enough to make USF Isn't sweat. that the definition well, of development issues? If you've got, I mean. But Ari, yeah, yes. But is it all that they can't play or is it that they have receivers who can't get open and an offensive line that can't block? And if that's, if you're adding those two things together, there's a lot of quarterbacks who can't play in that situation. I've got three letters for you. Are you ready to hear them? <laughs> I'm scared. You, S, F. I mean, Fair. Like, I don't know what you want. Like, I'm not saying that they got to have John Elway out there, but they played a team (laughs) that is physically incapable of being on the same field as them, and they couldn't get a first down. Like, I don't know where you think that is on the elemental chart of development, but that is like off. It's not all on the quarterback. No, I know, but I was watching it, and it like my eyes were bleeding because of the quarterback. They couldn't block. They couldn't block. That's a communication issue, and it's a one-on-one issue. I've got a communication issue with you right now. (laughs) What's going on, right? What's going on here? Uh, So anyway, yeah, I know, and it's hard, but it's just like you, you, you wouldn't think that quarterback would be amongst the issues even of a team that has this many pure stars on it. Um, so that to me is just a general, you know, interest piece when you when you think about like what's going on with Nick Saban, how long does he have left, the recruiting class he just signed, the recruiting class he's assembling in 24, um, the quarterback that he has coming in, the two true freshman quarterbacks he has on the roster. Like you and I have been in solid agreement on this that like the over under for Nick Saban uh, national championships at Alabama moving forward is probably 0.5, right? Um, probably. I just don't know. Like, and like, listen to everybody wants to come down on Alabama last year for not hitting the portal earlier or not getting a better portal guy than Buckner. But like, what were they going to do? Get Sam Hartman, get Devin Leary, get Brennan Armstrong, Tanner Mordecai, DJU, Sam Jackson, Hudson card, Taven Jackson, Shadur. Like, I don't know that there's anybody out there other than Shadur, which is not even a discussion that really makes this team all, all that much better well, than they already are. So I, again, I don't know. We're not going to get explicit about it, but there's definitely a guy who wasn't in the portal that might've ended up, <laughs> that might've ended up there. So like, you know, and, and Chris Callahan says, put Sam Hartman. I agree on with that. Alabama. Actually. No, they're uh, not. Maybe no. not playoff, but I think they're, no, they're, they're, they're competent. Still, they're maybe 10 and two. If you can't block and you have receivers that don't get up, Bryce Young had a better season last year than he did when he was a Heisman Trophy winner, and they still went ten and two and missed the playoff. Like, you know, and I think he's better than Sam Hartman is certainly. Their receivers can't get open, and they run the ball average, and their offensive line can't block. Like a bunch of quarterbacks are gonna look bad, and and this is I think. Eh, I really do think it's it's purely a, a defensive or an offensive issue. The defense is not going to be like dominant, but the defense is good. It's good enough to win you a bunch of games. Wait, so who do you like? If you're Nick Saban, what are you doing this next week? Uh, trolling LinkedIn for offensive line coaches and seeing if anybody's out there. I I was shocked they didn't do that after last season, quite frankly. And I mean, there's nothing you can do soon, but I mean, in the off season, I mean, I I think you have to sort of Make it known that you're in the market. You know, like who and, do you start though against Ole Miss? December. Who am I starting against Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, we. I, I think you have to go uh, Milrow because you can't block. And if it break, if it breaks down, Milrow. Yeah, Milrow might make some throws that like 
you know, make just you just hoping his confidence co- comes back after Cobra. you benched him. No, not not even the confidence. Just like he can make some plays when it breaks down and make some plays with his feet and gives you that. Simpson does not give you that. Um, you know, Tyler Buckner definitely doesn't give you that. Uh, like I, you know, you just need you need somebody to be able to make some plays in some weird spots, and and I like Milrow to do that, even if he introduces maybe some errors. You you need a level of edge to your offense, and he gives you that that I don't think any of those other guys do. Lester Lee here in the chat said that CSU receiver could be the number one receiver from Alabama. That Horton kid, Horton. Yeah, he he could ball. He was. Uh, I, I, I mean, don't know. Sometimes, like I, mean, I don't know if it, we're I looking at a Travis Hunter list secondary, and it's not a no. high level football game or what. But that I'm was not. that was a fun thing to watch. Um, but okay, so let's take our first quick break of the day, and then we will get into the best part of the show, which is your voicemails, your voices, your thoughts, your questions, your grievances, and uh, maybe your personal attacks. We'll see. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What do you guys think? Why don't we get into the first voicemail here? Let's do it. Hi, this is uh, Dave. I'm from Utah. I am just very confused about Florida. They don't seem to make any sense to me because I watched the Utah game, and they looked like a team that couldn't do anything. And then I watched the Tennessee game, and they looked like a team that can like give Georgia some problems can you please help me understand the enigma of Billy Napier in Florida? I got this one, Ari. Ultimately, I think it's easy to forget. And this is especially, it's true in the NFL, but it's especially true in college football. College football teams do not have static values from week to week. Some vacillate more aggressively than others. Florida, I'd say, would would qualify as one of those teams. Um, But... When you get a Tennessee team that I think people were definitely a little too high on, they're not one of the 10 best teams in the country. I think we could safely say that. And they played poorly on top of that. And Florida plays much better. They cleaned up a lot of the procedural stuff. Uh, They got jersey numbers right. We didn't have two number threes on a special teams play. When you clean up some of the dumb stuff and then you play as well as they did on the line of scrimmage, things can look a little bit different. And uh, shout out to Florida who... Riding the ship a little bit, and and like we mentioned last night, I think bought a lot of capital for Mister Billy Napier. I have to push back a little bit at you, Bedavia. Okay, how so? And we're on the same page because I'm with you on this. But we both uh, said last week that we are on high alert for uh, really, 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 really bad Florida, like mm-hmm. really bad Florida, like four and eight. Does, Florida, yes, like 
like complete and utter disaster of Florida. Like a, I don't even know what word I would use uh, other than disaster of Florida that wouldn't get me fired. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Has your thought process changed about this team at all, having watched them play the way they did in the swamp? Or do you still are you still on high alert for hot seat Napier to be a discussion in six weeks from now? Well, I think that well, those are two sort of different questions. If you go six and six, are people that's not good enough at Florida? You know, there's still going to be some. You're not going to you're not going to make a move at six and six, but you're going to be grumbling going into year three. Absolutely. Um, I think that if you can manage the game as well as Florida did, and that's like, listen, Graham Mertz will probably end his college career without hoisting the Heisman Trophy. But if you can move the pocket, give him some easy throws, not ask him to do too much, um, you know, kid him some throws without guys in his face to guys in space, you have you do have some athletes, then you can make some things happen on offense. We saw them do that. And then, of course, when you're running the ball as effectively as they did with Trevor Etienne, that helps as well. Granted, Tennessee was also without arguably their best linebacker and Keenan Peely, the BYU transfer. Yeah, they had Aaron Beasley, but that that matters too. Um, some of the run fits were not looking great uh, from, from Tennessee, and that helped as well. But ultimately, <clears throat> Florida's invested. You don't have a team that is spiraling, which is a good sign coming off of that Florida loss. I mean, off of that Utah loss. So... I think you can probably take four and eight off the table. They're probably not the worst team in the SEC, which we were kind of wary of, especially considering the way that Vanderbilt played uh, at UNLV this weekend. But, you know, I don't know that their ceiling changed, if that made any sense. Like the idea that Florida could win more than like seven or eight games, I think is still kind of hard to believe. Grace, you have any thoughts about Florida? Yeah, I think that Florida, Billy Napier should give Trevor Etienne the ball the rest of the season. I mean, that to me was the biggest difference in the Utah game. And what we saw this weekend, um, I think against Utah, I think Etienne had seven carries for 25 yards. And then last night he had, what, 23 for 169. I mean, he's just, I don't know. I'm a little bit biased because I I covered Clemson and I saw Travis, but I just see so much of Trevor in Travis. And I just don't understand why it took so long to get him more involved. But I think that that's how you save Florida's offense is you just let him work. I personally think they should line up five wide and let Mertz rip it, but that's just my thought process. I don't know. I mean, you got the guy. Let, let him let him rifle the pigskin around a little bit and see what happens. Part of this might just be that Utah is so stout in that front seven that maybe they just didn't feel like they could. And maybe, they, they, yeah. And Tennessee is a little softer up front. I think Tennessee can rush the passer on you, but you know they didn't have Elijah Simmons as well. You know, Tennessee's not as solid of a front as Utah. I, I just think he's so he just that. like his contact balance is so good and he just moves yeah. through traffic so well that I think he'll hold up with some of these big SEC defenses. I don't know. I just thought he was the most entertaining person on the field yesterday and I didn't understand why it took us so long to see that. <laughs> Even, I mean, he I looked a lot more confident. But, he looked yeah. kind of he looked really shaky against Utah, almost like he was hurt or something. And he looked like he was running hard and confident again. He looked like a new man against Tennessee. There's yeah, one thing time. that's for certain, and that is, uh, and you said this in your first initial response, Dave, is that you know you watch college football and we try to use transitive, prop- transitive property, and it's like, ah, oh, well, this team almost Doesn't lost work. to this team, <laughs> or this team uh, played like ass this week, and you know it's like you can't, you just can't do it in this sport, and the amount of crazy calls from coaches, boneheaded decisions, turnovers. I mean, it's just like I was watching the the. 
uh, Navy uh, Memphis game on Friday night. Don't ask me why, but I was very much watching it. Intently. I watched it too, Ari. Uh, yeah, did you see the the grab ass at the end of that game with the fumble and then the interception <laughs> yeah. and then the fumble? <laughs> I mean, I was in the shower and I was banging against the wall like I was uh, um, the dude from Goodfellas, that uh, Henry Hill. You know, it's like, we oh my god, get, we, we did it. Get a Truman Show situation. <laughs> we got to get a Truman Show situation on Ari when he's sweating out of bed. I feel well. Like here's that would the thing the you should know. I've learned about my house, so. I've got it's a two story house um, and yeah, all the bedrooms. About this, how you're watching this game in the shower? Oh, my phone is waterproof. I just take I take oh it in the gosh. shower and watch football every time there's a game. If I'm, I'm why wouldn't I? <laughs> why can't you just shower when there's not football on, Ari? What? I think the shower there's is the best place to like often. not like it's the one place that people cannot contact you on your phone and not get mad at you. The fact well, that you know, no, 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 podcast on Bluetooth the, in, the, in the shower, <laughs> but I don't watch. Yeah, football. I'm not a uh, uh, listen to music guy in the shower, but I am a uh, <laughs> I watch TV in the shower. Like, yeah, I don't know. I if there's a game <laughs> so on that I'm watching. So weird. Ari just crushing some everybody loves Where Raymond you, while you he set gets it up? the shampoo. Yeah, in the head. Are you holding just, it? Like what are we doing here? I have a soap here? thing, and like I'll be like listening to podcasts or you know if I'm like watching somebody on YouTube talk about college football or something. You know, I have a little stand. I just put it on there. I you know soap my hair and whatever. But like I'm definitely taking it into the shower. I'm with our I'm, producer Cam just said phone in the shower is weirder than Benihana's delivery. I I think that <laughs> yeah, this phone is, in the shower this is great weird. Uh, if they made it waterproof, isn't that not an invitation to bring it with you? No, it's like an invitation to like drop it on a boat, you know. Yeah, that's like, a that's a, that's a safety uh, <laughs> precaution, not a feature, Ari. What? I take my phone in the pool. <laughs> I take my phone in the shower. Uh, are you like I taking those underwater like, pictures in the pool? Or I you? legitimately treat my cell phone like it's a Submariner Rolex that can go like nine thousand leagues under the sea. It didn't even. It doesn't even occur to me. I just did not. That, ha- I just do not want to test the the waterproofness of no. any phone. If there's water in my phone, you know, I know these new ones are supposedly waterproof. Take it for me. My phone it. gets wet every day. It's fine. Uh, can it go like was, underwater? I mean, I've, I haven't really taken pictures underwater. I'm not like well, going to prison like, with this thing. I just like it. <laughs> you got in the pool. Because I, I ruined a yes. phone like this n- yes. recently. Interesting. Yeah. Also, too, it's like I don't understand. The, I just don't know what the difference is <laughs> between listening See, on a agree. Bluetooth speaker a and podcast. setting it down on the ledge of the shower and listening to a YouTube video is the same thing to me. Um, but listen. I've found this out about my house. All the bedrooms are upstairs, so but the weird. master bedroom is downstairs. Um, and I've had a issue in my life where I've woken up our child a few times from screaming about a bet. Um, and that hasn't really gone <laughs> sure well Brit for me. <laughs> yeah, no, my wife is, yeah, is a saint. But I found that the downstairs shower is like in the corner of the house away from the bedrooms and it's tiled. So you can scream and... <laughs> Pound on the side. So in there, like, uh, I mean, I was watching this Memphis game. And again, you can picture the Henry, the Henry Hill scene when he's in the shower and the Lutanza heist. And he goes, oh, we did it. He's like banging on the window. Yeah, that was me when when uh, Memphis beat Navy the other night. And at the end of that game, when they marked Navy for a first down that they were clearly a yard and a half short of, like, I was like. I was in the shower, like weeping into a loofah. And then when they finally turned it over, I was like pounding on the thing. I was like, yeah, let's go, baby. Um, yes, I love my wife very much. And we she really knows, do uh, need to get Aria Truman show sort of situation. Yeah. A bit. 
Yeah, I know. Like, I, I, I make fun of you for being weird, but I know that I'm weird, too. Um, okay, you guys want to go to the next thing? I don't think it's Let's that weird it. to watch TV in the shower or to bring your water. F- water. You can do a poll I'm and then we can like revisit a, it. It's not that weird to like watch football in the shower. Just shower after the game's over, Ari. Have you ever had, like, any cheddar on the game and there's the final drive is, like, 48 seconds left? And, like, you I have mean, to get ready for something? What do you... What do you? I mean, just take it. Just take a shower after the game. I, I, I'm lost. Let's get to the new voicemail. My, my head's gonna explode. <laughs> Hi, this is George from Denton, and I was wondering. So, considering how non-competitive the Illinois defense was their first couple games, how concerned should I be as a Penn State fan that the offense just really struggled and just cannot get the, the run game going at all? Thanks. Bye. What's that accent? Is that you want to that- run it back? Is that rural Pennsylvania? hop in the shower, we can run it back. <laughs> yeah. Is that rural um, Pennsylvania there? Is it, I, it might have been. Is, it, is that, what is, yeah. Is that Yinzer? Is that, what is that? I don't know. Well, well I'm not an accent guy, unfortunately. <laughs> they said, yeah, our, our podcast producer asked, where is Denton? When they said Denton, I was thinking Texas, but that guy is not from Texas, and there are no Penn State fans in Texas, so. Are you like one of those people that can identify someone's accent? Because I'm like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. Like somebody will be, I'll be like, "That's a lovely accent you got there in New Jersey, and it's actually Austria." Like, I, I don't, how can you tell where someone's from based uh, on their accent? Some I can tell a lot of it. That sounded very, very uh, Pennsylvania, like uh, water. That that whole thing. I thought that was Philly. Well, it's both. Like Yinzer and Philly are not that not that unlike each one of one another. So we'll see. Philly's like more of like a tough, like a tough talk. <laughs> we'll we'll get my buddy Bill Landis on the show and he'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, he'll tell you what it is. But you know, I, here's what I'll say about Penn State. I watched the Kansas Illinois game and I started to feel bad. <laughs> I felt bad for Illinois defense, like they had no shot to stop them. And I know that things got a little bit you know weird at times in the Penn State game. But um, you know, in the past, I think Penn State has kind of gotten into these games against the lower half Big Ten West teams at times that are ugly and slosh vests or whatever. And I think like as a Penn State person, what I witnessed there was there was two types of teams on there. There was a good team and there was a team that was overmatched and there was never any confusion of which one was which. And I think that if you go back and you look at some of the Penn State games of the past, um, you know, where they're muddling around in nine to six games in the fourth quarter against teams that they should be rolling, you know, I was actually kind of encouraged by this. You know, I know that Drew Aller was 16 for 33, and I know that he had only 200 yards passing. You'd like to see him, you know, kind of light it up, especially considering the fact that Jalen Daniels uh, literally uh, abused this defense six days earlier or eight days earlier. But I thought that it was a pretty good win, and I would be pleased with that based on. You, yeah, for one, if you're going on the road for the first time every season, that can always be a little bit tricky. And there's no such thing as a bad road winning conference, especially when you play it and dominate the way that Penn State does. So no, my alarm bells for Penn State are like 0. 0.4 out of 10. Grace, are you concerned yeah. about the Nittany Lions? No, I think I think uh, um, Audrey Snyder, our colleague, put it well. Like beauty's kind of in the eye of the beholder on this one. Like it yeah. was a beautifully, perfectly imperfect win. And I'm I'm with you. You go on the road, you get a a win on the road in, in, in conference the way they did. Um, I think I would actually feel good about that. Like you won in that type of fashion, despite it not being pretty. So I, I I actually would kind of like that if I was a Penn state fan. 
Also, yeah, I mean, they were never in peril, and they were leaning yeah. on them consistently, winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. You know, <clears throat> Penn State's not going to put up 35 points in the first half. That's just not what they do. Um, I've been to Champaign about 12 times in my life for different sporting events. Don't think I've ever seen the sun there, and it's super windy, too. I don't know if it was really windy. <laughs> But it's a kind of a weird place to play. Every time I feel like I've been there, like weird games break out there. I don't know. I just I think that we're going to find out a lot about Penn State this weekend. Because if you're worried about Drew Aller, if you're worried about uh, Penn State's offense not being able to move the football against Illinois, despite the fact that they scored 30 points, like good news, buddy. We're six days away from them playing the best defense potentially in the Big Ten. And it's probably their last test. It is their last test until they go to uh, Ohio State on October 21st, which is right around the corner as well. So, um, you know, Penn State's supposed to be different this year. I think that they played this game in a way that they didn't come out there looking the sharpest that they possibly could look. But, you know, if you come out in a in a week where everybody looked like shit, like and win 30 to 13 on the road against an Illinois team that some people thought could win the West, I think you take that with a smile on your face. To be fair, everyone thinks everyone can win the West. So, but point I, I like saying that though. It makes it seem like it's a, <laughs> it's a resume. Don't call me out on my shit. Illinois, a team that a lot of people think could finish last in the West and they only win by 17. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, if I had a magic show, would you come and like lift the hood up and say, here's how we did it. Everyone. <laughs> I might, I feel like it'd be very entertaining just to see you, but no, have you ever seen those people? Have you ever seen those people? Um, that do that trick with the sand where they go, hold on a second, like this, and then they pour the sand in their hand, and then they go like this, and the sand's in here, and then they go like this, and it's like you don't know where it went. Have you ever seen that? I have no idea what you're Literally talking about. Literally no. What rubber you- thumb. <laughs> what? <laughs> they pour it into a rubber thumb. Okay, I, I've seen this trick on, on Instagram all the time, and uh, I never <laughs> knew how they did this. for you, pages. What is happening? Tricks? Yeah. <laughs> So confused. My Instagram for me is just magic tricks. What you've never seen? What those people yeah. that have the sand? I have no they, idea. In what one you're hand, and they drop me. the sand into the other hand, and then they open both oh hands, gosh. and the sand is gone. Okay, I'm gonna find it. I'll send it to you. You're not online <laughs> maybe, enough, Dave. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm just not a magic guy. I don't know. <laughs> magic. I will I knew, tell you I one thing. Know how many magic videos you've watched in order for Instagram to start? I watched one. For you. I watched Ari's one. Like, oh, you know the rubber thumb magic guy. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no I, I didn't say the rubber thumb magic guy. I was telling you that he used oh a rubber. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a rubber thumb. Let me tell you something. Okay. So this David Blaine guy, I used to be a, afraid of when I was a kid. <laughs> Like, legitimately, you should Do you know still who David Blaine is, Grace. I because you're there's no. this thing, you know, Dave. How old are you, Grace? Sorry, I'm not, I'm not supposed to ask you no, how, how old 30. you are. Okay, so this is the perfect example, Dave. You and I are roughly the same age, in the mid 30s, maybe yeah, 35 yeah. or 36. I know of so him, but I don't, I don't there know. There is this weird cutoff, like if you are talking to somebody who's like 32 or up in between 32 and 40, where we all had the same exact upbringings and remember all the same references and saw all the same things um, when we were kids. But then if you go like six years, which is where Grace is, they've heard of nothing. I've heard of, I've heard of David Blaine. Like, he, he okay. always had these like specials on ABC where he but would there's like a certain, spend like there's a, a month s- inside a block of ice or like he always did these random yeah. things. I was like, I, I was never really intrigued by him, but. Yeah, he, he does well, also have a very creepy like vibe about him. Where he's so like, he is a very creepy vibe, and it is the guy. <laughs> yeah, he was the watch. Yeah, he's the yeah that guy who does the glass bubble with the water thing. Yeah, 
But I saw a magic trick on 2020 or something from this guy when I was 21 years old, and I'm 35 now. Podcast now. (laughs) I but like like it's a basketball thing too. He goes to a basketball practice and he finds a basketball player, and he tells this basketball player to write his name on a trading card. Okay, his own name. Throw yeah, like with a sharpie, his own name on the card. They put the card back into the deck, and then he throws the cards down onto the ground or something, and the cards are all over the place, and his card disappears, and the card isn't in the deck, which would have been impressive enough because it's like, where the hell did the thing go? And then like David Blaine pointed at the basketball rack that was like, you know, like from practice where you have all the basketballs lined up on the rack, like from the three pointer contest. He goes, go pick the third ball up in the middle on the bottom on the bottom rack. And then he brought the basketball back over and he sliced the basketball open with a knife. And the card that the guy signed was in the basketball. And like, I don't know. Like, obviously, that's just some editing, <laughs> some editing things well, yeah, or maybe whole, some rubber the thumbs. The back end of that trick can be planned, right? How could you plan that? Oh, the signing part, maybe not. The guy wrote his name on the card. Yeah, the signing part, maybe not. So it's either two things. One, video editing. Or two Satanism. I don't know which one it is, but you know I haven't been able to like not remember, think about it for like sixteen remember, years. Uh, I can't remember whose stand up it was, but I saw a stand up that was saying that we all need somebody in our lives that reacts to us like black people react to a magic trick where they have to physically relocate themselves. <laughs> it was fantastic and it it was uh that's pretty true i feel like there was a lot of relocating after that trick yeah i would i would have relocated myself if you never know how somebody did something yeah david blaine come on the pod and tell us how you did that i want to see him i'd I'd go see him uh rubber thumbs is always the answer rubber thumbs mother's day is around the corner Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, next one. Ari, Shalom, and and Happy New Year, my brother. It is, uh, this is Ian in La Cunada, California, giving you my weekly call to remind you that your thoughts on the University of Washington could not have been more wrong. And yeah, You've got a Day of Atonement in one week, but I don't think the Cal game is going to qualify you to be fully on board, but I encourage a full reconciliation and plea for atonement next week, and then we can have you on the wagon. Love you guys. Happy New Year. 
I love this. Shana Tova, bud. Happy New Year and, and Happy New Year to all the other uh, Jewish people who listen to or, uh, you know, are part of this podcast. It was a, a nice message. And what are you know, we, I, are, what is the Washington take he's referring to? I feel like you were like, I, well, we did a Pac 12 preview at the beginning of the year and Chris was ready to put them in the playoff. And um, I was a little bit <laughs> reluctant to, to meet him with that energy. And now I'm watching them offensively, and I don't think anybody in the country is going to be able to stop them. So, you know, the thing that is interesting to me about the Pac-12 is the team that I would think would be the favorite right now, which is USC, would be um, kind of on an uphill battle if you look at the last six games of their schedule, whereas Washington um, has to play a lot of the same games, and they do have a pretty rough four-game stretch to end the year. But I think their schedule is a little bit more spread out. Uh, you know, they get Oregon in the middle of the year. It's not sandwiched uh, in the middle of the the end of the schedule. But their last four games of the season are at USC, home against Utah, at Oregon State, and then uh, home against Washington State. And it's just like in the Pac-12, um, which team is going to be a playoff team is a very hard discussion to have in September when I think there are three answers potentially to that. And the answer to the question basically is which team is going to um, nut up at the end of the year and get through that, that four game stretch. And it's like, it might be Washington. Um, and I'm willing to tell you, you know, during a, as we turn the page to a new year and we come up on the holiest of high holidays of the Jewish religion uh, that I was wrong in the preseason. Um, that said, I don't necessarily know that I'm a hundred percent bought into the notion that, you know, Washington's going to do it yet because it's just such a difficult road, easier road than USC, which gives them the leg up. But we're also not even taking into account Oregon and the big game that's happening this weekend with Colorado and what we're going to find about find out about them, too. So certainly is much better than I gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. No question about it. But I don't think anybody, maybe outside of David Blaine, could tell you who's going to win the Pac-12 right now. And, uh, you know, when we get there, it's going to be a hell of a time to to watch. And I think it's the perfect and most appropriate way to say farewell to our old friends on the West Coast and that unified conference. I'd say it's fair. Nice take, Ari. Thanks, I'm guys. all in on the Washington bandwagon. I mean, they're, you they're are? Blow, yeah, they're blowing people out. Like I'm tentatively in. <laughs> they're not just winning. They're winning by 30. 40 like mm-hmm. they have the I think they have the most exciting offense in the country I'm I mean I don't know I'm all in on them I want to see him play somebody that's that's got I just don't know how much to take from the Michigan State game and it might be no, a lot I don't, no I don't care about the Michigan State game. I, I'm still thinking about the Boise, you, the Boise game. game the Boise game yeah. is what but I but like Boise's good but like they're not that good like they're good and that was really impressive but like I want to see you play somebody who's who's beat somebody, you know, not to, you know, they ain't played me, but nobody yet, Paul Washington, <laughs> but like it's week three. Very few teams have, have played anybody. And yeah, the thing, the thing really that Catherine B just though, said, in a way that other people don't, that's true. Catherine B just said this in the chat and it's true. If you have really, really good receivers. And when I say really good ones, like three of them, and then you have a quarterback who's putting it on the money every single time. That's just an inherently impossible thing to stop at the college level because most people just aren't equipped with, um, you know, the, the the horses to do that. So um, that to me is going to be interesting. But again, it's just are they going to have a clunker game and is it going to happen in a four game stretch against ranked opponents? It's just basically going to be like which team is built the best right now. Um, and again, the fact that there's some build up to it, too, is great. 
Like, I think we're going to have potentially two or three undefeated Pac-12 teams going into the end of October, and then that's when the fun really begins. So, you know, if you got uh, Mac, I mean, sorry, you got Pac-12 after dark on uh, Saturday night, it was a nice little warm-up of what might be happening here at the, you know, back end of the schedule. The Pac-12 is not going to be dying on a deathbed. It is going to be full speed uh, skydiving without a parachute down into the... the, It would be. They're going out hard. <laughs> I mean, are we going to get a year where the Pac-12 gets two teams into the playoff and the SEC gets none? I don't That's know. That's the funniest <laughs> possible scenario. We, that would be we so were funny. talking yesterday on whether or not it would be funnier if Colorado or Texas lost. But the Pac-12 getting two teams in the playoff combined with the SEC possibly getting shut out of the playoff, which is not the craziest thing in the world sitting here at week three, would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um and also sad, Nothing would be funny if Texas lost, <laughs> and so I'm not going to stand for that. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go to the next one. Hi, this is John Skulski calling from Aranjuez, Spain. It's a little south of Madrid. It feels like this is the first season in a long time where there aren't like two or three teams which are just head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. And if that's true, is it because the transfer portal is finally starting to even out the playing field? And if that's true, do you see that trend continuing? All right, that's it. Give a shout out to all the college football fans living abroad who have to deal with time zone issues. We are the real heroes. Good night. Go Bucks. Dude, <laughs> I want to know what you have time nailed his accent. This. Would you have nailed his accent, Dave? That's a Spaniard if I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Grace, he called Colette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait, Grace, what time? We'll give you we'll give you a kick of this one first. What who where do you stand on on the parody at discussion in college football i think i'm i'm with him i mean you just look at the number of just transfer quarterbacks alone in the last few years um and you look at it this season colorado being the best example of of what what transfers can do to your team to to give you a pulse but yeah i think it's a situation where we're not, and we've talked about this on Stars Matter, Ari, because we when we went on our Clemson rant, like it's not a situation where you've got to completely overhaul your roster with the Porter portal unless you're Colorado. It's like one or two guys, and then you're looking at a different team. And so, I think that that's where that parity comes from. I think it's exciting. I think it's it's good for the sport. Um, you know, we're in week three, and Colorado's three and zero. Like I think that's exciting, and and that's the domino effect of that is he's right. There's not one or two just dominant teams that are crushing everyone. There's not an obvious uh, powerhouse right now, which I I personally think is kind of fun. Well, I think that it's a two pronged thing here, and I said this on Stars Matter, but if you don't listen to Stars Matter, I want to repeat it here. But you know, I've been criticized, and maybe rightfully so to a certain extent, for. Uh, relying too much on the 247 team talent composite because, in my opinion, the teams with the most uh, raw athletes out of high school on their roster uh, give them an opportunity to be the best long term because it's all a math equation and it averages out. And if you sign 11 five-star prospects versus three five-star prospects, a team with 11 is going to be better than the team with three, even if only six work out because that's still twice as many as the other team signed. The variables all change. Uh, you know, some players perform below their ranking. Some players perform above their ranking. But over an 85-man roster, the the 
overachievers and the underachievers average out and you get uh, exactly uh, what you would, you know, anticipate there. But like Florida State to me is the perfect example of why this is changing because they are able to go out and cherry pick um overachievers off of other people's roster, like Jared Verse. Um, I don't know what Jordan Travis was ranked, but Keon Coleman wasn't a five-star prospect. And they got all these guys who are legitimately going to be potentially first-round draft picks who are now being calculated as two stars and three stars and zero stars in Verse's case in their composite. So their entire ranking is wrong. But if you add three or four first-round picks to the field, Sorry, to the field. Are you so excited he's choking? Well, I'm not excited. It's like it's ruining how easy it used to be to predict things, but it's also creating more parity. But it's like I think Florida State could win a national championship this year. And people thought that was crazy because they're number 19 in, in the composite ranking. Well, it's like, yeah, they're 19 in the composite ranking, but you've got five or six players who are playing like five stars who came into the program undervalued and no longer are who they're ranked in a world where people were overvalued or undervalued, but didn't leave their roster. That always worked out with time. Some players are better than others and some are worse than others at their rankings. But if you can take a player that is wrong ranking wise, take them with that little claw machine that you saw in toy story and place them onto another roster. And that guy just starts playing. Keon Coleman's a first round pick and he just plays for them immediately. Um, that completely changes the game. So, you know, I think that it's an interesting dynamic because, and I almost wrote a column here, Seth Emerson wrote uh, something similar, but there aren't any teams. Like last year, you could watch the Georgia team play football and be like, that's the best team in college football. And, you know, they did have that running with Missouri. Uh, They almost lost to Ohio State in the playoff, but by and large, they took care of business from, from beginning to end and they won the national championship. The best team won. There's no doubt about it. And a lot of these last three or four or five years, you had a lot of teams that were built that way that were so abundantly clear uh, in a different class of their own. The Ohio States, the Georgias, the Clemsons, when they were hitting, uh, were so much more um, – you just you could look at them and know. And I don't think – I think that it's possible that that era is changing because those teams too um, are losing a lot of their depth because people want to play more and they're transferring out. So um, – Yes, I do think that the portal is changing things. I also think that it might not take as many players hitting. Um, like, how many players do you think, Dave? I'm going to ask you this. I've been talking a while. But like, if you hit on three players that are playing like five stars but were ranked as two stars, I think that's enough to change the entire dynamic of what your team is capable of. Like, how depending many the, players do you Depending on the position that they play, yeah. Um, one defensive yeah. end, one running back, and one quarterback. That's all. That's what happened with with Florida State. I think you need a and receiver. They went from but maybe running. Back. Florida State got a receiver. What did I say? A quarterback, uh, and a defensive receiver end. And a defense. If you yeah, a quarterback, quarterback receiver, receiver, and defensive, and defensive end. end, then I would say yes. Yes. Um, and is that but, not the blueprint? Well, uh, blueprint's a strong word. I take not an offensive lineman of- too. No, one offensive lineman is not going to do it for you. If you in have a addition huge to those hole, three, I would want one. If you had just a complete, <laughs> like an NFL first round tackle that walks in, then maybe. But like a, you know, if you added Peter Skaronsky to, I don't know, whatever. I mean, he was on a one and eleven team last year, so like one offensive lineman, I'm not sold on. Here's my, here's where I stand on this. I, I don't even, I, I don't know that I necessarily buy that it influences Perry that much. I think we're just in a weird year where the best programs are rebooting quarterbacks. But I think what you, what you are going to have here is, is we're still settling out who can manage the portal. And I mean that by 
not really who can go get in the portal, but can you keep? Culture and cash, okay? You need to have money so that That's guys can't come. That's your new record come. coming out, right? Yes, culture and cash. <laughs> you cannot have people coming and buying your players. Wherever you, like, you've got to have them well-funded at your school. And you have to have a roster that wakes up every morning and says, man, I can't wait to get to the facility. Some places operate like that. Some do not. And I think the places where you have a deficiency on either one of those things, in either culture or cash, you're going to have problems retaining talent. So it's not even just eva- e- e- evaluation and going and getting guys. It's being able to keep and maintain the guys that you signed out of high school. And like I said, you do that with culture and cash. And if you don't have either one of those things, you're going to have a leaky bucket and your talent is going to come dripping out the bottom. Yeah, Matt McCarty just said here in the chat that Josh Pate's dead horse about only teams can win it every year with the expanded playoff is pointless is full of it. And like, I think Josh Pate took a column that I wrote for the athletic and like made a whole segment out of it and agreed with it. So like I am on the same page with Josh Pate about the expansion of the playoff. Most my, years I agree with you this year. No, this yeah. year might be the one year where uh, the 12 teamer would be good because we don't know who it is. The 12 uh, seed could compete. The 12. No well, <laughs> I mean, now you're getting a little weird, but I think that um, I think that, in most years, there's only two or three teams that actually could win the national championship. Um, I say six to be uh, more friendly about it, but it's actually usually three. Um, this year, uh, you have Michigan, you have Ohio State, you have Florida State, you have LSU, who's still alive, right? Um, the list is too long. Alabama technically could still win the national championship this year if they don't lose again. Um, but I don't know in most years if this is a trend and this is the way that the sport is going to feel every year, you know, in five years, or if this is a weird year where all the teams are just turning over um, rosters at the same time. But I think it's just that a weird said, year. but Dave, those, those programs also, I mean, Alabama doesn't have to turn their roster over. Georgia doesn't usually have to turn their roster over. Ohio State. That's what I'm saying. I think that- this is a weird year. It's not about turning your roster over, but you, if you have a gap at quarterback, and you go from, you know, let's Stetson Bennett for whatever. I don't really want to have a Stetson Bennett conversation, but he was way above average. OK, he was very good at what he did and he made them better and he made a ton of plays. Carson Beck it remains to be seen whether or not he can make plays. We know Alabama doesn't have a playmaker anymore at quarterback for at least. I mean, right when's the now, last time right? Alabama had an average player, Blake Sims? An average player at quarterback? Yeah, sorry, average quarterback yeah, probably, is what I'm going to say. It was the last time Ohio State had an average quarterback. Uh, 2004? Yeah. Like well, it's not it's like it's like it's not like it's this is a thing where it's like oh a quarterback left the team blows. Like that's not how it works at these places. They recruit yeah. so well that no matter what happens to them they are immune to being bad. That's the whole point of the composite ranking and that's why it's different. So if we're going to be in a world now where Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia and Clemson are all going to be in rebuilding years when those didn't exist 3 years ago, then yes, the sport is different now. Well, is it a, um, is it a question of you when you lose your depth on the lines, specifically the offensive line? Then it makes all your skill position players more susceptible to looking not again. Like those teams gods. didn't have; they never lost their depth. What do you Alabama's mean? average player ranking on their team is a top one hundred player. How do they not have depth to replace what happened last year? Like that's the uh, number I'd one thing. Go, like I mean, that, they lost some. They lost some dudes out of the portal. Bama lost some guys. I'd have to go look at exactly who. 
but they lost some guys. I'd like to know how many of their like of their eight guys the in the rotation. The point. How many that used to not happen before? They... When players felt trapped yeah. or were dissuaded from leaving because they had to sit out a year, yeah, it kept that depth in in, in check. It kept it there. But yes. now that people can leave with impunity and play immediately the next year, then there's no reason to not to not bolt and that's what hurts the depth. So if that's, yeah, what's, that's what's changing saying. things, that might be, then, that might we're, be, we, maybe, then maybe the super it. team is dead, uh, but we've been on a 10 year run of super team and the, the it's thing hard that is to weird, have a 12 team playoff and super on team paper mode. on paper. Georgia and Alabama are still super teams. I know. And then you watch them on Saturday and you go, these guys can get got like the, <laughs> the paper is fraud. That's what I'm saying. The paper is flawed yeah. when a three star yeah. player who usually is just on a team, uh, playing like a five-star prospect and blending in the way that Jordan Davis did with with with, with Georgia. Yeah. When you put Jordan Davis on USC, all of a sudden you've they've got this 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 monster out there. It doesn't show up on the numbers. That's the thing. So I'm I'm we're starting to have to consider whether or not the numbers are flawed. They weren't flawed three years ago because what was on your roster was on your roster. Now there's well, so Jordan many Davis moving is a parts. bad example because he's move he didn't move up, but like the guys you're talking about the guys that have moved up to maybe not the elite schools, but the very good school, like the Keon Coleman is probably a good example. Well, I don't know what his recruiting. No, I'm just talking about three-star players who go top five in the NFL draft. And like, if you're able to move them from roster to roster, yeah. then that automatically changes the numbers and completely makes it. It's, it's not the same thing anymore. Maybe. Maybe. So um, that to me is the thing. It's like, are we going to have football seasons in the future where the top three teams in the country literally could not get beaten in any any imagination in the deepest, darkest bowels of your brain, you can come up with a scenario where they could lose like last year's Georgia team versus TCU, or is it going to be 12 team playoff in 2034? And any of these eight out of the 12 teams are going to be able to win this thing. Like that's, I like the second scenario a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. College football's never had this. The the college football has never had the second scenario. So if we think that it's going to happen, um, then that means that we're in for a fundamental shift with this portal that's going into a direction that is even more far out there than it is right now. Yeah, you're right. Written questions? I'll get this one, Ari. If Alabama okay. ends up going 9-3 and three this year, like many have predicted, how egregious is this mismanagement of talent? 24-7 talent composite would show these last, they're these the last two years the most talented ever. Yet there are questions at virtually every position. Is it poor evaluation, development, or both? I mean, we've kind of <laughs> hit on this. It's it's, it's the second it's week in a row where we answered a question before reading it. So uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we have anything more to add on this? Like Bama, it's it's not one thing. It's a confluence of like five I think or it six is. Yes, um, it's like some coaching turnover, transfer portal, uh, injuries, draft, all of it. In one, because I mean, that's a lot the only of these guys that you have that you have on your roster were evaluated two coaches ago at Alabama. That's weird. Well, I wanted to ask Grace this because she's, you know, I lose my mind when I'm talking about Dabo Sweeney sometimes, and Grace has actually spent a lot of time around him. But is there something about the sturdiness of Clemson's program? I know that we've kind of criticized him, or I have. I don't know if you have. I have criticized him for his lack of participation in bringing players in. But is there something on the reverse end that makes Clemson a sturdier program in the new frontier of college football if they aren't engaging in it as much as other programs do? 
Like if there's something that Clemson has that helps them like, stick well, around. Less, will less players leave? Yeah, like or will they yeah. be more? Will they will they resemble an old roster um, of players who you know coming and going less frequently because they had to sit out a year? Or are they going to join the fray? You think? I don't know. I think what made Clemson so good and unique during their run was that they knocked it out of the park on the evaluation. Like, yes, they got Trevor Lawrence. Yes, they got these big time five stars, but they also took Isaiah Simmons as a three star. Michigan wanted him as a wide receiver and turned him into the best defender in the country. Hunter Renfro. Like, I think Clemson's, I don't, I don't know that their evaluation is as good now. I will say like, I think, it's dropped off a little bit, but yeah. And then I think to your point, there's, there's something to be said about Dabo is so protective of his culture and that's his, that's his baby, right? That I don't know. We'd have to look at the numbers, but um, I think he would at least like to think that he's got fewer guys out the door. Did the, did the slide help with keeping (laughs) the slide is deceptively fast. Honestly, I like, I (laughs) wrote it once and it was, it's like a little at the end. Like it's, it's, uh, it's pretty fast. (laughs) Well, well, guys, it's not a college football conversation if Deion Sanders doesn't come up. I'm honestly last, surprised it we, hasn't. We, this hasn't. We have yet. one last. We have one last question. Ari, can you give it to us? Where do you think Coach Prime will be in five years? Ursula D via the Athletic, via the Athletic. First off, Ursula on the short list of most terrifying movie villains of all time. Before we move forward. Uh, my wife was roasting. Is that a Disney movie? Was... Yes, that's the octopus lady from uh, Little Mermaid. Did you watch Little that Mermaid. as an adult, or did you watch that with your kid? No, I watch it as a kid, and I don't watch it anymore because it scared me. And my wife roasts me because I have not seen the live action film. Uh, I have very little interest in that, but I know the old. What one. movie is it? Little Mermaid. Oh, uh, I haven't She's seen it since I was four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw it about when I was four, and I don't think I've watched it since because it was I didn't know if you were great. a Disney adult. I was gonna, I was just gonna start digging. <laughs> yeah. I am yeah. not a Disney. We adult. did not go down a Disney <laughs> rant again. <laughs> okay. So with Dion, it's a really fascinating conversation because I think he wouldn't even know the answer to that question because I think he has to figure out what do I want, and that is a complicated question. I spent like nine months in the Dion world, right, and I think. His motivation right now, I I think a lot of it is, I want to coach my kids, and I want to give them opportunities at big-time places. And right now, having Shiloh and Shador and him at a Power 5, wrecking shop and changing the, the entire game in college football and establishing this cultural relevance, becoming black America's favorite college football team. Like this is like a, this is like what he would have dreamed of. Like it's unbelievable what they're experiencing right now. So, you know, you're obviously going to be at Colorado for a little bit. The short answer to this question that I would feel confident is not at Colorado, but the real answer is very complicated because when Shiloh runs out of eligibility and Shador runs out of eligibility or leaves the NFL or whatever, he's got to figure out, What do I want to be? If a big, big place calls you, do you want to be that guy? Do you want to go dip your toe into the SEC and and fight in that little viper pit and try to win? I think he definitely wanted the Florida State job, and that's still, I think, his holy grail in a lot of ways. But, like, 
you know, a bigger job. I, I, I don't know that he'd want to do that. And there's part of it that, you know, his health will be a part of it. But I do believe him when he has been Dion. He doesn't straight up lie very often. And he's been very public about I don't want to coach in the NFL. So I don't think the NFL, you know, you know, it would be that much of a scenario. Maybe if the right, you know, if Shador went to the right team and that team really wanted him, I could see him talking himself into it, maybe in that sense. But I really don't think the NFL and his way of operating, I, I don't know that that's something he'd want to do. But I, I think if a big place called him in two or three years, he'd have to consider it, but it'd have to be the right spot and a place that's going to let him be him. And there's not a lot of those places out there. It almost feels like to me that Colorado is the perfect place for him because Colorado just lets him do what he what he's going to do. That's that's like, a huge I part of the the autonomy is like the the autonomy is the thing. Like he did a lot of things that caught a lot of criticism all off season, and his AD Rick George and his president Phil DeStefano basically said, "Hey, we're letting him do what he's going to do." We had, he had a plan. He was very upfront with them about what he was going to do, and he's doing what he's doing. And you. Ha- and there are a lot of schools where the AD and the president would not let that happen. And he wanted to go to a place where he had autonomy. They were going to let him do whatever he wanted to do because they were desperate. They were. And they're reaping insane benefits. The Rock was at their game. Lil Wayne led their team out onto the sideline. Freaking Kawhi Leonard is on the sideline. Like, this is like, this stuff doesn't really Master happen. Master P. Yeah, Master P. Like, it's Have you it's heard of insane. Master P, Grace? <laughs> yes. All right, like, Grace. I'm testing it's my a- theory of, of <laughs> yeah. if you're 30 or under, you are like a different generation than if you're 35. Yeah. Like How there's old that, are you? that hard cut. I'm 35. Oh, I thought yeah. you were I thought you were younger than that. She thought you were 43. Uh, no, I'm old. No, I uh, <laughs> So I think that's so you you Dion is not going to go somewhere that is not going to give him the autonomy to do things his way and be himself. And there are not a lot of places like that. Unless Colorado is the proof of concept to the future athletic director who hires him that says we're not going to meddle with him. He knows they what he's doing. They got to be desperate this. though, Ari. They have yeah. to be desperate. That's what I know I'm how these athletic directors like, think. What is like and maybe this is not an answerable question, but like what is the other school that allows this? Like who who else other than Colorado is that desperate and that willing to let him do his thing? I don't know if there's a school that's better than Colorado like, does, would be. Is, does it exist? Like I mean, I pretty probably question. be like Illinois, Purdue, or teams like and that. Is it that a are better be job like, than Colorado? That's what I'm saying. Like, is it like, going to be like a, a tradition? Like, would would Auburn have ever been desperate enough to allow it to happen? Auburn like, was never job- going to do the Dion thing. No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That'd so be like, hilarious, what, but no. What yes. blue blood program could ever be desperate enough to hire Dion and deal with the actions? Uh, I mean, I think it would depend on where your program is. Uh, I there's some people in the chat. Arkansas, Arkansas. Catherine keeps saying. Arkansas. As someone who lived in Arkansas, I can tell you. No, <laughs> Arkansas is not doing think, that. Like he, because he's. I mean, I'm not saying Colorado is a destination job by any stretch of the imagination, but he's changed the way we look at this job now. So, like, what what is the upgrade in college football that also allows my, him to? My whole thing too with Dion is is that if he ever got to go to a place, and I thought this before he got to Colorado, if he ever got to go to a place that let him do it his way and let him be himself, and he experienced success there then what would you be leaving for anyway? Like, would you be leaving for more money? Money, and no, not money like, for himself, but money to run his program and resources. Colorado yeah. does not have, 
you know, a place that you can hire 30 support staffers and do all the things that a lot of these places in the SEC are doing. They are pretty limited in what they can do. I don't know what their recruiting budget looks like, but I can say it's probably safely not what a lot of these top schools in the yeah. SEC are, are rolling with. Um, so all of those things. And, and you know, you, are, you do have a ceiling at Colorado that has nothing to do with uh, your access to talent or your conference affiliation or whatever. Um, you know, it, it, m- m- college football is the is one of the few sports where an influx of cash and going to or resulting in wins is like a one to one A to B, especially in the NIL era proposition. They don't have this collective with, you know, 10 million dollars on hand. And if Dion was at somewhere that did. Good luck. Good luck, man. You know, we also like, too. We, we've we've spoken a lot about how uh, like Shador and Travis Hunter are proof of concept for the players. But you know what? I'm on high alert for too. Like if Sean Lewis is a Big Ten coach next year, mm-hmm, which there's going to be. be some proof of concept of go play for Dion. Everyone's watching. Mm-hmm. It's a really good place to get a better job, which then would attract high level assistance, which then yes. make your program better. Um, and then you're I think more, it already you're, has. You know, I think it already has yeah. attracted. He's got a well, good I mean, balance of guys that he's been but with. But I'm saying if, if you're able to lose Sean ideas. Lewis, because I think Sean Lewis will probably go get another job somewhere. I'll eventually. be shocked like, if I, Sean Lewis is there next year and he's not a head coach. Yeah. Like he should yeah. be a head coach somewhere next year. And like, well, he was him, like it's a brilliant. Year, so. <laughs> yeah. But a, well, a head coach at the power five level now is what we're saying. Like it was a brilliant move yeah. for him to leave Kent State willingly, go be the offensive coordinator and, and do it this way, knowing that everybody would be watching, you know, drum up the perfect play calls on a 98 yard touchdown run as time expired last year, uh, mm-hmm. become the sexy candidate and then go run um, a Big Ten West team that wants to play like that. You know, it's like I he probably is a faster track to becoming a power five head coach now than if he never would have left being a head coach somewhere else. So well, that's the, that's the genius of what he did, because I think he, you know, our colleague, uh, Bruce Selman wrote about it and I'd kind of heard some rumors about it, but he, you know, I think he was frustrated getting passed up for the Cincinnati job. And I think he thought, which I don't know that I would have thought the same thing. Cause you know, Alabama and Georgia and these places are always kind of the shortcut, but the idea that I'm going to leave being a head coach and go work for Dion at Colorado, where they just went one and eleven, and we're going to flip this roster, and that's going to be a faster road to becoming a big time head coach and getting out of Kent State um, than it would be to just stick it out at Kent State. That's that's pretty wild. But I think some of these G five coaches too recognize in the portal era that sustaining success at any G five program is harder than ever because Penn State's going to come get Dante Cephas, right? And all these guys are constantly fielding calls. If you have a 1500 yard season at a G five, you're going to get 10 calls that off season, whether you're in the portal or not. All right, guys. Well, it's been an hour and 10 minutes and <laughs> a lot of, been a lot of talking on the podcast uh, stream uh, this weekend. And uh, daddy's going to go hibernate tonight. I think I'm going to go watch this NFL game and, Grace, uh, you come back for a our 3 a.m. stream. We're going to start that yeah. daily tradition. Gonna, <laughs> gonna wait. Uh, gonna wait till after the Dolphins uh, Patriots game. If yeah. you know, see if they can get kooky. What's we'll yeah, we're going to do? Guys, go to sleep we're last gonna, night. I uh, went to bed 3:30. at three thirty Eastern. Yeah, uh, I, we're gonna we're gonna come back after the Dolphins Patriots and and talk about what this means for the portal. <laughs> um, <so>. Yes. <laughs> 
All right, guys. Well, thanks again for for tuning in to uh, Until Saturday, Sunday Sound Off Edition. Uh, Please be sure to continue to call in and leave your voicemails. We've got a lot to sift through. Uh, The more, the better. We want the best ones to make the show. Um, I just wanted to make sure you guys knew that on Tuesday, Max and Sam are going to be on with our Notre Dame writer, Pete Sampson. Uh, Notre Dame has a huge game this upcoming weekend with Ohio State. I am here to inform you happily that I'm going to be there, and I cannot wait. It's going to be my first Notre Dame experience. It's a bucket list stadium for me, so certainly Ari, can't wait to, to get out there. I'm also checking off a bucket list stadium this weekend. I've never been to Autzen. I'm very excited. It's Grace, really are, you going anywhere yeah. this, are you going anywhere this weekend? I am. I have Clemson, Florida State. Okay. Oh, wow. Is that in yeah. Tallahassee or Clemson? It's in Clemson. Oh, have you ever, been, have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there before? <laughs> well, I just got was informed, and Dave, we're going to have to talk about this after the show, but okay. apparently Notre Dame's doing this thing where their press box is closed one hour after the, pre- the head coach uh, leaves the podium. And I don't know how people do work that way. So it's going to impact our, our Saturday night podcast, but we'll, we'll talk about that later in the week when we we'll you know, get closer to it. Um, obviously, uh, we want you to to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Um, if it's podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, Stitcher, all those things, YouTube, thumbs up, leave comments, leave um, you know reviews, anything that you can do to help this podcast, uh, both video and audio grow. It's greatly appreciated. And if you leave a five star review in the uh, comments, we will be sure to get to it on the show. Uh, thank you guys so much. For your continued support of Sunday Sound Off, uh, we will continue to do this every Sunday. Um, the phone number for your voicemails and your texts is 316-462-9852. Again, that's 316-462-9852. We really, 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 really appreciate it. We want your voices on the show. We will continue to to do them. It don't have to be questions. These were questions today. I but want you more coaching impressions. We were light on the coaching impressions. Yeah, impressions, we Jackson, we discussions. <laughs> insults, anything that's funny. Like we, it doesn't just have to be like, so what do you think of, of Washington's playoff hopes? It's like, well, you know, the truth is, is that we don't know any more than you do. It's just, we're, we're doing our best to, to use our expertise to try to prognosticate what's going to happen. But you know, this is a crazy sport and no one really knows what's going to happen. I'm looking so, forward to door dashing um, Casa Bonita on my next trip out to Colorado. Yeah. So. I don't know what you're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter as well. Um, it's everyday college football uh, coverage to your mail inbox, your email inbox, um, and you can find the link to that in the show's description as well. So thanks for listening to this little spiel at the end. I appreciate you guys, both Grace and Dave. Always awesome to be with you and to the audience that, that was here live. Thank you so much. Uh, we will catch you guys on Monday, Tuesday, and the rest of the week. Um uh, for all three of us, thank you again. That was until Saturday. Bring back the turnover chain. <laughs> <laughs>